Kia ora. This program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard.
Good morning and uh, kia ora ana, tarofarawa, malo lele, and welcome. Welcome again to, to another a beautiful Sabbath morning this morning as I'm coming through to, to Wellington this morning. What a beautiful morning. Thank you, Lord, for that. And uh, kia ora ana, tātou katoto. Good morning to all our listeners. Um, happen to listen to our program this morning, whether you are on your way home or on your way to work, and just happen to tune in this morning. Thank you so much for tuning into our program called The Three Angels Message, coming to you live on Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM. We ought to thank God for this beautiful time that He had given us to another Sabbath morning to come on the radio to bring a message that He had prepared for us this morning. May I say Kiorana, good morning to all our pastors uh, in all different denominations, your beloved, and also the Ekarisia you are looking after at this very moment. And also Kiorana to all our um, members in, in, in each different uh, denominations, um, the elders, the deacons, the deaconess, and also not to forget our young people in the church at this moment. And also our papas and our mamas, Kiorana, good morning to you all. May the Lord be with you and help you through your Christian walk. Good morning to all our Adventists, um, church families in Lower Hutt, Puriroa, and also in Wellington here. Uh, good morning to, to our Pastor Kwan and his wife and the family. Good morning to all our elders, deaconess in, in Puriroa, Wellington, and also in Lower Hutt, our young people, and also our members, especially in Lower Hutt. Um, our young people there, and also the, our children there too as well, and all the uh, new members are coming in the church at this moment. Good honor to you all. May the Lord be with you and give you a blessed Sabbath. Uh, friends, our topic this morning, I won't go any more longer to work on because it's a bit longer. You might not enough time to uh, bring the message on. Um, beautiful message, A Thief in the Night by Ryan Day, and he's our pastor this morning. So grab your pen and paper and the Bible, and we'll go straight into our program this morning. But before we go there, let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we come before your throne of grace this morning to say thank you, Father, for this beautiful morning, Sabbath morning you have given us. Thank you, Lord, for everything you have given us, Lord. I pray, and, and Lord, that be with um, our listeners this morning who are just happened to tune in this morning and also our our church families in different denominations and also the Adventists in Lower Hutt, Wellington and Puriroa. And all the pastors, I pray, Lord, that you be with them. Our message this morning, Lord, I pray that you help us to understand a message from your servant, Pastor Ryan Day. Thank you, Lord, for your love. I pray and ask all this. In Jesus' wonderful name I pray. Amen.
good morning, good evening, good night, wherever you are around the world. We just want to say welcome to the 3ABN Worship Hour. My name is Ryan Day, and we are so blessed to have you with us this morning for another edition of this special worship hour in which we dive deep into the Word of God and we take a deeper, closer look at some of the great themes, some of the great passages, some of the great texts of God's Word, and we worship together, as the Bible says, in spirit and in truth. I always like to be reminded that. I always like to say it because Jesus said it. He said, we who worship Him, that God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth and we're certainly going to be doing that this morning. We have a very special message today. It is entitled A Thief in the Night. But before you turn the channel or before you turn it off or whatever it is you might be thinking right now and saying, "Oh, I I've heard this before. I know what the thief in the night is." I want you to pause for a moment and just take some time to study with me this morning because I promise you, many of you who are watching this have never heard this truth before. Uh, maybe many of you who are watching have heard this truth before, but nonetheless, God placed this message upon my heart this, this today uh, to be able to present this truth in such a way as to awaken us and to uh, bring our awareness to the times that we're living in and to the things that are shortly to come. And I believe, as we know, Jesus is indeed coming soon. And so today we're going to be studying uh, this entitled A Thief in the night. But before we go any further, I always like to have a prayer. We should have a prayer. That's appropriate. And we need to ask the Holy Spirit, not just to be with me as the speaker, but for each and every one of us to uh, have a receptive heart and mind to this truth today. So let us pray as we go to the Lord. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we give this time to you. We dedicate this special worship hour to you. Lord, we're not necessarily here with our hands out asking what we can receive, but rather what we can give. And during this time, we're giving ourselves to you. We're presenting ourselves a living sacrifice, receiving from you, Lord, the blessing, the knowledge, the wisdom that you have to share with us this morning, but giving our time, giving our minds, our hearts, our whole beings to you in worship during this time. And Lord, I pray that as we open the word of God today, may you just enlighten us. May you shine your light into our hearts and minds, and may you lead us closer to you and bring our minds, our attentions, Lord, to the times that we're living in and the seriousness of understanding today's topic. We praise you, God, and we thank you for your never-ending love, grace, and mercy. And we ask these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. A thief in the night. It's a total of about seven times that we find Jesus and the other New Testament writers referencing the events surrounding the second coming of Jesus as being thief-like. In fact, many people, when they study this topic or they read where Jesus or Paul or John or Peter or whoever says and references Christ's second coming as the thief in the night or his coming as a thief in the night, again, our minds immediately go to, obviously, the glorious appearing of Christ, that Christ is going to appear shortly in all of his glory. The, the clouds are going to recede back like a scroll, and Jesus is going to come back in all of his power and all of his glory with all the holy angels with him. And that very event, that very glorious appearing, is going to be thief-like to many people around the world. Well, today I want to challenge you. I want to look at those texts 
Maybe not all of them. We're going to look at a few of them that reference this thief in the night. And we're going to study this a little deeper, a little closer to determine why did Jesus reference this so many times? Why did the Bible writers liken the coming of Christ unto a thief? And what about that thief-like coming should we learn today and be aware of for the times that we're living in? Now, there's going to be many texts that we're going to bring up on the screen today for you to be able to write down and read along with us. But starting out here in the beginning, I have three biblical texts that I want us to just read together from our Bible, okay? It's not going to come up on the screen, but I want you, I'm giving you time to get your Bible. So if you don't have your Bible, get it right now. And I want us to go to three special texts that, of course, reference this second coming or this, the coming of Christ, the appearing of Christ, the events surrounding the second coming as a thief in the night. We're first going to go to 2 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to read verse 10. So 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. And if you have your Bibles, let's go there. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. And this is what Peter writes. Notice what the Bible says. It says, but the day of the Lord, here it is, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. There it is. And then he goes on to say, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Very interesting. So we read that text and it, ve- it sounds very second coming like, right? We read those words and we think, ah, like a thief in the night, he's going to come. The elements are going to burn with intense heat. This is describing what appears to be very much the second coming of Christ. Now, let's go from there. Again, we're just taking these in for right now. And then we're going to go a little deeper in just a moment to identify exactly what this thief in the night is. What did Jesus mean by watch and pray uh, for, you know, His coming would be like a thief in the night. We're going to identify that in just a moment. So let's go from there to Revelation chapter 3. So we're in, we were just in 2 Peter, now we're going to Revelation chapter 3. And notice what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 3, and we're going to read verse 3. So Revelation chapter 3, verse 3, notice what it says here. It says, Remember therefore how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not Watch. Notice that word there. You're going to see that word come up quite a bit today. Watch. This this thief-like experience that we're going to be studying today. And the word watch is very much synonymous with each other. You're going to see that come up quite a bit. But notice right here in the book of Revelation, John the disciple, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is writing this. And so he says there, he says, therefore, if you will not watch And of course, we know this is really coming from Jesus, right? These are the words of Jesus. John is just writing this as the Holy Spirit is communicating these words from Christ himself. But he says there, therefore, if you will not watch, I will come on you as a thief. And you will not know what hour I will come upon you. Okay, so right there, what we have is like a thief, watch, And of course, right there at the end, you will not know what hour I will come upon you. We see all of these themes coming up over and over and over throughout the New Testament. But now what I want to do is I want to go to Revelation chapter 16. So we were just in Revelation 3. Let's go to Revelation chapter 16 and read verse 15. So this was obviously within the context of the seven last plagues, or those seven final plagues that are going to fall before the second coming of Jesus. And what we see here, and by the way, we're going to talk about those plagues just a little bit today and then uh, in a future message as well, because I guess I should have said this in the very beginning. This is important to mention. This is a two-part series. 
So what we're watching right now is part one of a two-part series that we're going to be doing on this thief theme. Uh, But what I want to read right now is Revelation 16, verse 15, continuing on what the Bible says about this. Revelation chapter 16, verse 15 says, of course, these are the words of Jesus. He says, Behold, I am coming as a thief. There it is. Blessed is he who watches. There it is again. And keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. So we see this again. This, this same, these same associative words. Watch and pray as we're going to see in just a moment. Because I'm coming upon you as a thief and you will not know what hour the thief is coming upon you. My friends, there's no doubt that we need to understand what, what does Christ mean when he says uh, that my coming is like a thief in the night. Probably one of the most famous texts that we can read uh, dealing with this topic, with this subject, we find in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And so if you would go with there, go there at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 in your Bible. And this is where we're going to pull, pull the text up on the screen for you to read. But take notes, write these notes down, share these scriptures with others because we need to be aware of this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 1 through 3. Notice what the Bible says. This is Paul writing, and he says, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. There it is. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. Okay. So Paul is obviously giving a warning. And the warning that he's saying, he's actually writing this to the church. And he says to the church, hey, look, brethren, brothers and sisters, I shouldn't even have to write to you about this concerning, you know, the times and the seasons. Because again, there's two groups of people mentioned in this passage here. There's you, speaking of the brethren, and then there's they, okay? Who are, who are they when they say peace and safety? Two groups of people. One group that seems to be aware of the times and seasons, which is why Paul writes, you know, there's no need for me to write these things to you. Because when you, you here that is mentioned, which is the church, those who are in the church, those who are full of the Spirit, those who are aware of the times, aware of what the Bible teaches, aware of the truth of God's word, you, brethren, he says, I shouldn't even have to write these things to you because we are watching, we are praying. But then there's the second group of people. There's they, for when, notice he says here, for when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. My friends, this is crucial for us to understand that there is a group of people in the last days that they claim a state of comfort. Those words there, peace and safety. When a person is experiencing a state of peace, then they are experiencing a state of comfort. They are comfortable. They are okay with, the, with what's going on. They're kind of in a, almost a complacent state. They're just kind of just going with the flow. 
peace, and of course, and safety. Again, just want to mention here, not that it's a bad thing to experience peace. Obviously, Christians should, everyone, God wants all of us to have peace. But the peace mentioned here, when they say peace and safety, this is in a negative context, because what basically is happening to this group when he says they, when they say peace and safety, they are not watchful. They are not aware of the signs and the times, so that living in their comfortable, kind of lukewarm, complacent lifestyle, this sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. Now, obviously, we need to find out what what does it mean, thief in the night? Where he says here, for you know, uh, excuse me, he says here, for I have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Oftentimes, when we think of the day of the Lord, what comes to our mind? We think, I could hear you screaming right now, you know, the second coming, right? We think of the second coming of Jesus. And while I believe that we certainly can attach that to the day of the Lord concept, when you tie on this thief concept now, we have to do a little bit of digging to determine what does he mean by like a thief? Because now we're talking about something a little deeper, something associated with the second coming of Jesus. But as we're going to find out in just a moment, Jesus was actually speaking directly about an event preceding the direct glorious appearing of Christ. I probably just threw a curveball to you and you're saying, wait a second, that's not what I believe. That's not what I've heard. Let's continue on studying here. Let's go to Matthew 24. Again, we're looking at these texts referencing the thief in the night, the day of the Lord or the coming of the Lord as a thief in the night. Matthew 24. Now, we know what Matthew 24 is really all about. There may be someone watching who doesn't know what Matthew 24 is all about. The the 24th chapter of Matthew is often known as the Olivet Discourse in which Jesus, sitting atop the Mount of Olives, approximately about a week or so out from him being nailed to a cross, he's going to give his final prophetic uh, uh, discourse, his final prophetic mini-sermon, I guess you could say. And he communicates the, the future destruction of Jerusalem, and he also tells what's known as the signs of the times. You will often hear that in, in, in church, the signs of the times. Oh, you can tell that Jesus is coming soon because of the signs of the times. Well, in this case... Yes, Matthew 24 is indeed full of those signs of the times that give us understanding as to how close we are or indication of how close we are to the second coming of Jesus. But Matthew 24 verses 42 to 44 is what I want to focus on just for a moment because this is where we see Jesus again referencing his coming as a thief in the night. So Matthew chapter 24 verses 42 to 44. Let's go to our Bibles and read that right now. Matthew 24 beginning with verse 42. Jesus says, watch therefore. (laughs) We've heard that word so far, right? Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Now that's quite interesting. Because on one hand, it seems like very clearly, as we just read in Paul's writings, you, brethren, have no need because you know very much that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night, right? Where did Paul get that idea from? 
He obviously got it from Jesus. He would have known that Jesus clearly would have referenced this when he was speaking to the disciples, when he was preaching often. He referenced his coming as a thief in the night. So Paul got that, I believe, very clearly from Jesus himself. But it's interesting, when you go to where Jesus is speaking about his coming, he says here, therefore, you also be ready. He's speaking to his disciples, right? For the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. So we could actually interpret this as Christ is warning the church. He's warning the brothers and sisters in the faith. And what is he saying to them? Be ready. Be watchful. Because you may not be completely understanding of the signs of the times in the sense that you may also find yourself uh, you know, experiencing that thief coming up on you at an hour that you are not expecting. Now, again, this is where we're going to go a little deeper to determine what does he mean by this? Because obviously, I'm just going to tell you straight up, I remember studying this for years, all the way you know, over the years. And every time I would read this, I would think to myself, this is strange because if you understand Bible prophecy, and you understand kind of the theme of things that are supposed to happen leading up to the second coming of Jesus. I've often wondered, how could anyone not know that Jesus is soon to come? In other words, we know that none of us know the day nor the hour. So I want to make that clear. None of us are able to pinpoint the day or the hour in a roundabout way. We're not even able to say, oh, he's going to come in this year. We, we don't know that. There's no way to determine that as far as the timing. But as far as being caught off guard of the literal, glorious appearing of Jesus, I've often read the Bible text, I've read the prophecies, and I've wondered to myself, how could anyone allow something that big catch them off guard if they, if they understand what's happening leading up to that? In other words, why did Jesus give the signs of the times? Why do we have all of these other great prophetic texts in the Bible that help us to understand the, the and, and I, did, I preached a sermon not too long ago called Prophetic Panorama, where we can literally see kind of in a panoramic view all of the individual elements, different occurrences and themes and, and, and events that are going to happen leading up to the second coming of Jesus. And I, I look at those things and I say, okay, anyone who has half sense can know that they can see these things happening in succession just as the Bible says that they will happen, and they're going to know Jesus is soon coming. But why does it seem so often that Jesus refers to that coming as a thief? Oh, it's going to come upon you at a time you're not quite ready. You Make sure you're watching. Make sure you're praying. Quite interesting. In fact, right after this, this is Matthew, we just read Matthew 24, verses 42 to 44. And it's interesting because in verses 45 to 51, Jesus follows this up with the parable. Uh, we're we're going to call it the parable of the faithful and evil steward. And he tells this parable of the faithful and evil steward, of how the master leaves his home and he goes away. There's a little bit of a delay, but then he comes back and finds that the, the faithful servant is faithful. He's been ready. He's been watchful. But the evil servant has not been faithful. He wasn't watching. He wasn't praying. He wasn't ready for when the master returns. Now, uh, that's Matthew 24, verses 45 to 51. I want to read the equivalent passage to this in Mark chapter 13. Because basically all of those elements are there in Mark 13, but there's an added few words that I think really, again, add to what we're talking about. Mark chapter 13, verses 32 to 37. We're going to read that now. And notice these are, this is the same parable, the parable of the, the evil and, and faithful uh, servant. But notice there's an added element here that Jesus adds in Mark 13 that is not found in Matthew 24. So Mark 13, beginning with verse 32. Notice what the Bible says. 
But of that day and hour knows, no, notice, knows no one or, or no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven for the son of man, notice, nor the son of man, but only the father. Take heed. Here it is again. Watch and pray. For you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. You notice this word watch keeps coming up. Watch therefore, verse 35, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster or in the morning. Lest coming suddenly, here's the added element we don't find in Matthew 24. Lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. He says, lest coming suddenly I find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to all, watch. This watch Watch, watch and pray. Be aware, Jesus is saying. And notice, the, obviously, the, the thief theme here is, is referencing the timing aspect. That You know what? It, it shouldn't, we, we know exactly how Jesus is going to return, right? So it's not going to be you know, very you know, stealthy and thief-like like, like we might consider a, a thief who's trying to sneak into a home. But rather, the fact that he's referencing his coming as a thief, we know, we see here by the many elements that we've read so far in all of these different texts that he's referencing the time. You don't know the hour. You don't know the day in which this is going to come upon you. So be watchful, be prayerful, be aware of what is happening. Now, now that we've read all of this, I want to identify what he means by this thief. What is this thief in the night that we need to be very, very prepared for, right? And, and I want to say, absolutely, we should be prepared for the second coming of Jesus, we're not tossing that away at all. We're not undermining that at all. But what we're about to read in the spirit of prophecy is going to help bring some light to this thief question or this thief concept or topic. So what I'm about to read is a little bit of a lengthy read, but stay with me here. Uh, this is coming from Testimonies, Volume 2, page 190 and 191. Notice what the spirit of prophecy says here. Powerful, powerful. She says, we are waiting and watching for the return of the master, who is to bring the morning, lest coming suddenly he find us sleeping. What time is here referred to? So she's asking the question, what time is here referred to? Not to the revelation of Christ in the clouds of heaven to find a people asleep. No, but to his return from his ministration in the most holy place of the heavenly sanctuary, when he lays off his priestly attire and clothes himself with garments of vengeance. And when the mandate goes forth, notice, he that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he that is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Of course, that comes from Revelation 22. She goes on to say, when Jesus ceases to plead for man, the cases of all are forever decided. This is the time of reckoning with his servants. To those who have neglected the preparation of purity and holiness, which fits them to be waiting ones to welcome their Lord, the sun sets in gloom and darkness and rises not again. 
Probation closes. Christ's intercessions cease in heaven. This time finally comes suddenly upon all. And those who have neglected to purify their souls by obeying the truth are found sleeping. They became weary of waiting and watching. They became indifferent in regard to the coming of their master. They longed, notice, longed not for his appearing and thought there was no need of such continued preserving watching. They had been disappointed in their expectations and might be again. They concluded that there was time enough yet to arouse. They would be sure not to lose the opportunity of securing an earthly treasure. It would be safe to get all of this world they could. And in securing this object, they lost all anxiety and interest in the appearing of the master. They became indifferent and careless as though his coming were yet in the distance But while their interest was buried up in their worldly gains, the work closed in the heavenly sanctuary and they were unprepared. My friends, are you catching this? When Paul says, of the times and seasons, brethren, I have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. The thief in the night there, what is that? What do they have to be watchful for? What are they that find find themselves in a state of peace and safety? What What are they not prepared for? Jesus obviously said, you know, prepare, watch. For you know not the hour the Son of Man is coming. Lest suddenly I come and find you Sleeping, for you know not the hour that the Son of Man is coming. My friends, the same thing. Watch, watch, watch and pray. Be aware. The thief, the thief in the night is coming. What about the return of Christ is thief-like? We just found out from Testimonies, Volume 2, page 190 and 191. It's very, very clear that the thief in the night, the event that will catch many, many people off guard that they are not prepared for, that none of us can say we know exactly when it's going to happen or when that time will come, is when Jesus Christ, our high priest, he stands up and he takes off his priestly garments and he changes into his, his kingly conquering garments and he now is, is, is evacuating the temple. There's no more intercessor. His ministration, his high priestly ministry has ended for a time, obviously, is ended. In this case, what we're talking about is the close of probation for all mankind. What is it that comes upon the earth And all those who are not prepared as a thief, it's the close of probation, the end of Jesus' high priestly ministry, and the the reality in which he is literally about to pour his wrath upon this earth and make his way back to redeem the righteous. Now, this even becomes more clear when you continue reading from Matthew 24 into Matthew 25. Because again, Matthew 24 and Matthew 25 is the completeness of the Olivet Discourse. In other words, what we read from the last verse, so, so uh, Matthew uh, 
the, I think it's the 51st verse there. Uh, yes, yeah, so the 51st verse of Matthew 24 on to the first verse of Matthew 25. This is a continuance. Jesus didn't pause. He just continued on. So he's just said, look, my coming is going to be like a thief to many. And then he tells the parable of the faithful and evil steward of how the master left and he came back and find one that was prepared and one that was not. And then to make it even more clear as to what this thief represents... He tells the parable in Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13, of the ten virgins. Now, I have preached many a sermon on the ten virgins. I I personally find that the parable of the ten virgins is probably, it's one of the most relevant, if not the most relevant parable for our time. And understanding the seriousness of being watchful, of being ready, of being prepared for the soon coming of Jesus. I would like to go to that parable and read it. We're not going to spend a lot of time breaking down every little verse like I might have in in past sermons, but just getting the understanding of the theme of what's happening so that we can again further identify that this thief in the night that Jesus warns us about, that his coming is like a thief in the night to watch and pray and be ready. It's not the glorious appearing of Jesus in the clouds, but rather when time is up in his ministry and when the close of probation happens. Let's go to Matthew 25 and read verses 1 through 4. So Matthew 25, verses 1 through 4. Notice what the Bible says. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. Okay, this is, this is crucial. Now, again, I said I wasn't going to take a lot of time with each verse, but for these first verses, I just want to pause for a moment, and we want to do some identifying of some of the symbols here. While this is a parable, this is also a prophetic parable, and there is some symbolism here that we need to identify so that we properly understand exactly how to interpret this parable. We see here, and I'm going to go in order. We see first the virgins. What do the virgins represent? Obviously, these are women. And we know that in Bible prophecy, the virgins here, in this case, the women, represent the church. We see, we can see the references there in Jeremiah 6, verse 2, and also 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, Ephesians. I love Ephesians 5, 25, where you know, Paul writes very clearly, you know, husbands love your wives as Christ loves the church. Obviously, God likens his church into a woman, a pure woman. And so we see here that these ten virgins they represent the church. So there's no doubt that this, we're talking about the church here. All right? Now notice the second element that comes in this is the lamps. What does the lamps represent? We don't need to wonder as to what this represents because Psalm 119, 105 reminds us that thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So the virgins, the church, they have their lamps. They've got their Bibles. They, they believe in it. They trust in it. They have it. And they're going out to meet the... Bridegroom. Now, who's the bridegroom? Okay, we've got to identify this. Obviously, the bridegroom here is Jesus Christ. There's no doubt that the bridegroom is Christ. You find references to this in Luke 5, verse 34, John chapter 3, verse 29, as well as Revelation chapter 19 and verse 7. Multiple Bible texts that make it very clear throughout the New Testament and even in the Old Testament that, that the Son of God is the bridegroom. And he likens his, his church unto his, uh, unto his, his bride, in, in, in a sense. 
we're also going to identify in just a moment what that bride is, because the bride is obviously we go into Revelation, and he even refers to that great city, New Jerusalem, as his bride. But then the last element we find here in these first four verses, which is probably the most important one pertaining to this particular parable, is the oil. The oil represents the Holy Spirit. And if you go and match Zechariah chapter 4, verses 2 through 6, and Revelation chapter 4, verse 5, you see there very clearly that the oil is a representation of the work of the Holy Spirit. And so now putting this all together, the church, okay, the women, the, 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 the ten virgins, they go out to meet the bridegroom with their lamps, right? They, they believe, they have their Bibles, they believe and put their trust in God's word where it says that, you know, Jesus Christ is coming back soon. They believe in that promise and they're acting on that promise as they go out to meet the bridegroom, but they have their lamps. And notice these lamps can only function properly if it has the oil because the oil is the fuel. The oil provides the fuel for the light so that they can see. In other words, we can have a knowledge and an understanding of this Bible, of all of this Word of God. But if we do not have the oil of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us in our lives, then it's of no avail. Okay, it's, it's, it's of no importance. We need to make sure we have the Holy Spirit in our life. We need to make sure we have the fuel to activate the power of that lamp. And so in this case, we have those four elements clearly identified. Now, let's go on and read the rest of the parable because this is powerful what we see happening. We're in Matthew chapter 25. We're going to start with verse 6 now. Notice what it says. It says, And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding. And the door was shut. Notice the language there. The door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. And then notice the language here. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. This is a continuance of what Jesus was saying in Matthew 24. Why did he tell the parable of the ten virgins? For many reasons, I believe. But I want to read you now, based on what we just read in Matthew 25 of those ten virgins. Again, five wise, five foolish. The five foolish, what makes them foolish? They don't have oil in their lamps. So much that we just read, they, you know, when the midnight cry goes out, hey, Jesus is coming, wake up, go out to meet him. They all rise up to trim their lamps. Now, I, there's, a, there's, a, there's a meaning to that. I'm not going to get into that because it's taking up a little time here. But I want to just say they rise, they trim their lamps, and it's at that moment that the five wise say, oh, wait a second, we, we, we apparently didn't put enough oil in our vessels so that we would have enough to last us through to find the bridegroom. So they turn to the five wise, they say, hey, uh, surely you can give us some of your oil. 
And of course, you know, the lesson here is that none of us can share or give the Holy Spirit to anyone else. That's a personal thing between us and God. And so in this case, the five wise correctly say to them, no, 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 you need to go buy from them that sell. In this case, Revelation chapter 3 comes in where Jesus is speaking to the Laodicean church, the last church age, and he says, I counsel you to buy from me. Who are we going to get the Holy Spirit from? Who are we going to obtain the righteousness of God from? Not from anyone else, but only from Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And so here's the thing. They go away to buy, but they go away to buy from the wrong source. (laughs) They go out there to buy from the wrong source. We know they go out there to buy from that counterfeit source. The devil wants to counterfeit the Spirit of God. We see that very clearly. We are told that it's going to happen, and in fact, we've seen it already happening in the world today. But nonetheless, they go out to buy from the wrong source. And while they go and buy from the wrong source, because they didn't tap into the right source from the beginning, it says that essentially the bridegroom comes and the wise go in with him. Now, a lot of people read this text, a lot of evangelicals read this text, and they automatically apply this to the rapture. Oh, there it is. There's our proof text for the rapture. They go in with him. Jesus comes back to secretly and silently snatch away his people. No, 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 no. This is not a rapture text. You cannot fit the rapture into this in any way, form, or fashion. This is speaking of the return of Christ, the second coming, but not directly the second appearing, the glorious appearing of Christ. Because even though it says the bridegroom came, what does it mean that he came and that they went in with him? And it goes on to say, and the door was shut. There's symbolic language here, spiritual language here. Let's read, this is another lengthy passage from the Spirit of Prophecy, but we have to identify this properly. The Lord placed this subject on my heart because I think a lot of people are in that state of peace and safety, my friends, where we think that we're watching, we think that we're praying, we think that we're trying to be aware, but in reality, we are not prepared for the soon coming of the Lord in the sense The probation time closes. Notice this is from The Great Controversy, page 24. And this is coming from, excuse me, chapter 24. So The Great Controversy, chapter 24, page 428 and 429. And Mrs. White is referencing here, she goes all the way back to the time of 1844 when they received this powerful message. Then she begins to identify what these different elements mean pertaining to this thief in the night reference as well as the ten virgins parable here. Notice here, this is again, great controversy. She says, the proclamation, behold, the bridegroom cometh. In the summer of 1844, led thousands to expect the immediate advent of the Lord. At the appointed time, the bridegroom came, not to earth. Notice this, my friends. He came, but not to earth, as the people expected but to the ancient of days in heaven. That's Daniel 7 reference. Okay, let's pause there for a moment and get that, just get that in right here. Uh, That's a Daniel 7 reference where we see in Daniel 7 where the Son of Man is seen coming to the ancient of days who is seated, and it says the books were open, and, you know, the the judgment begins, basically. The books were open, and and the judgment began. So the the, uh, the court was seated, the books were open. Okay, that's a judgment scene. So this is referring to 1844, and we know that according to the 2,300-year prophecy, that at the end of that, judgment began. So we're talking about in the aftermath of 1844, but notice here, she says, Christ did come not to earth, but to the Ancient of Days. Now let's continue reading there. She says there, but to the Ancient of Days in heaven, to the marriage, the reception of His kingdom. This is all happening in heaven. 
They that were ready went in with him to the marriage. Notice this language is coming from Matthew 25. They that were ready went in, went, went in with him to the marriage and the door was shut. They were not to be present in person at the marriage for it takes place in heaven. While they are upon the earth, the followers of Christ are to wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding. Let's pause there for a moment. What wedding are we talking about? Wait, Ryan, I thought the church was the bride. Well, this is where we go to Revelation because if you go over to Revelation chapter 20, 21, 22, and you read those latter chapters there, you get a close and, and very clear indication that the bride of Christ is actually the city. It's also referenced as the city of the New Jerusalem. So Christ is receiving his kingdom in heaven, the New Jerusalem, as he's, he, he's, he's bought and paid for it. It's his now. He received that in 1844. But we were not in, you know, in physical appearance. We were not with Christ during the marriage in which he's receiving his kingdom. But it's after the marriage to his bride, the city, the Jerusalem, which we know, of course, the city does not amount to anything if there's not any inhabitants. And we know his inhabitants, of course, is his people. So in a sense, the church can be seen also as the bride. But very clearly, biblically put, the bride of Christ there is the city. And so this is where it says, who through the testimony of the scriptures accept the same truths, following Christ by faith as he enters in before God to perform the last work of mediation and at its close to receive his kingdom. All these are represented as going into the marriage. In the parable of Matthew 22, now she goes back to reference a different parable. In the parable of Matthew 22, the same figure of the marriage is introduced. And the investigative judgment is clearly presented as taking place before the marriage. Previous to the wedding, the king comes to see the guest, to see if all are attired in the wedding garment. The spotless robe of character washed and made white in the blood of the lamb. He who is found wanting is cast out. But all, notice, who upon examination are seen to have the wedding garment on are accepted of God and accounted worthy of a share in his kingdom and a seat upon his throne. This work of examination of character, of determining who are prepared for the kingdom of God is that of the investigative judgment, the closing work in the sanctuary above. When the work of investigation shall be ended, pay close attention to this. When the work of investigation shall be ended, when the cases of those who in all ages have professed to be followers of Christ have been examined and decided, then and not till then, probation will close and the door of mercy will be shut. Thus, in the one short sentence, they that were ready went in with him to the marriage and the door was shut. We are carried down through the Savior's final ministration to the time when the great work for man's salvation shall be completed. My friends, thank you for being patient in reading that rather lengthy passage from the great controversy. But I felt the need to really allow her, allow the prophet to explain and to expand on that. Because when we read this work, this great uh, 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 Olivet Discourse from Matthew 24 into Matthew 25, and Jesus is talking about... Jesus is not an angel. He says, he's God. Write me in, ask me about that. I'll be glad to share the, the, the answer with you. We've also shared that answer on the Bible Q&A program that we do uh, on Monday mornings. Uh, but, but nonetheless, my friends, this is Jesus 
It's just another name for Jesus, Michael. And notice what it says in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1 about Michael. Notice what it says. At that time, speaking of the close of probation, at that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who shall stand over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble. There it is. Such as never was since there ever was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, every one who is found written in the book. Daniel 12 Michael stands up. When Michael stand, when Jesus stands up, he changes his garments. He's preparing to evacuate the temple. In fact, we, we know that at this time when he stands up, this is where that famous verse, Mrs. White referenced it a couple of times in her writings uh, that we just read earlier. But Revelation chapter uh, 22, verse 11, this is where that truth comes to light. Where we read there where it says, He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. Why does this language exist? Why are we being shared this by the inspiration and power of the Holy Spirit? Because when Jesus' ministry in the most holy place ends as high priest and he's preparing to come back to get his people, he changes his garments. He's preparing to come back. And in this case, the line is drawn in the sand. The door is shut. The decision has been made. He knows who his sheep are. He knows who his goats are or who the goats are. He knows who his wheat are and he knows who the tares are. He knows who the righteous are, the sealed. And he also knows who the unrighteous are, those who are not sealed with the seal of God. We even read about this in Revelation 15 verses 5 through 8. Read it with me. Revelation 15, this is the scene in which Jesus is, is, is he's about to exit the temple. The temple is evacuated, and these angels that is, we're reading about here in this passage, they're holding the seven vials full of the wrath of God. Why? Because they're about to go out and pour it out upon the earth. Jesus is preparing to come back and get his people. Revelation 15, verses 5 through 8. Notice what the Bible says. After these things I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. And out of the temple came the seven angels, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen, and having their chest girded with golden bands. This is sanctuary attire. And then verse 7 says, Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls, full of the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. The temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And here's the key here. And no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Now notice, those are the latter verses of Revelation chapter 15. Now that these angels are on their way to pour out these vials, these bowls full of the wrath of God, Upon the earth, we read about the individual plagues, these, this wrath that's being poured out upon those who, who do not have the seal of God, who have the mark of the beast. They're being tormented with these plagues. In fact, we read about them there. And here's just a quick list. You can go read about them in Revelation 16. We just read from Revelation 15, latter verses. Now, if you go over to Revelation 16, the continuance of that is the plagues. And so the very first plague is painful sores. The second one, the seas turn to blood. The third... The fresh waters turn to blood. Fourth, the unrighteous are scorched with intense fiery heat from the sun. Number five, darkness and pain for the beast and his followers. Number six, of course, this is the climax of Armageddon, the great spiritual confusion in which the devil launches his final attack upon the wicked before he's dealt with. 
And then, of course, number seven, the final plague comes within the context of the second coming of Christ, which is a global massive earthquake and great hail that falls out of the sky upon men to destroy them. That's the seven plagues. That's the time of trouble. And what marks this time is the close of probation, the thief in the night. What's going to come upon men? Remember, when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them. Let me tell you something. No one having went through this previous to the second coming of Jesus is going to be saying peace and safety leading up to the glorious appearing of Christ. No one's going to be saying that. But there is going to be a sense of life going on as usual. They were, my friends, they were listeners. Um, we come to the end of our program. Um, well, I'll be back again next Sabbath morning to bring another one, the second part of this um, uh, text this morning, message this morning, a thief in the night. So pray that um, we don't miss out. The next topic is very, very important. I'll leave you with this. Uh, three angels uh, message that I can read to you this morning found in the book of um, Revelation chapter 14 verses 1 is as it reads uh, verses 6 it reads then I
program was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding accessmedia.nz.